1: Next big game that we did a prediction for, Ryan, at Irish Breakdown was the matchup between the Oklahoma State Cowboys and the Oklahoma Sooners. That game is going to also be at night this weekend. It's a 7.30 game. It's going to be on ABC. The shocking part of this game, Ryan, is that Mm -hmm. Oklahoma is a a 7.5-point favorite over Oklahoma State. Now, look. Look, man. I get it. Oklahoma has struggled lately. Right, ever since Spencer Sanders went down in that Kansas State game, they have not looked as good. And honestly, Oklahoma State would be sitting there with three losses in a row if Spencer Sanders doesn't come off the bench last week and rally them to a win over Iowa State. Yep. So you know they're sitting there at seven and three. They're back in the top twenty-five. They travel to Norman, and here's a cra- here's a crazy statistic for you, Ryan. I kind of looked this up, this little nugget up last night as I was making my prediction for this game. The last time that Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma in back-to-back games, Mike Gundy was the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys. It was 2001 and 2002. It's been a minute. So that's what's at stake because, obviously, Oklahoma State won last year. Oklahoma State is struggling, Ryan, but goodness gracious, have you watched Oklahoma play? They're coming (laughs) off back-to-back losses to Baylor and, and West Virginia. So yep. the spread really surprised me. Really mm-hmm. surprised me that they were a seven and a half point favorite. So Ryan, you and I clearly don't see it that way. Let's talk about this matchup. Let's you actually see it even even less that way than I do. Let's talk about your prediction and how we see this game playing out. And and what do you think the reason is? Is that that the spread is the way that it is at this point? Is it just because of the fact that Oklahoma hasn't won back-to-back games so long, I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time figuring, figuring this one out.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
3: I think it's usually a combination of things, Brian. Like, I mean, like you said, the the main reason that I am picking Oklahoma State in this game is because, like you said, Spencer Sanders came off the bench last week and started looking more like himself. And I think that he's going to be back more healthy than he's been in the last few weeks because he just hasn't, you know, as soon as he got hurt, Oklahoma State just kind of went down the tubes, man. Like, they're just not the same offense when they don't have Spencer Sanders because I will say this about Spencer Sanders – He has been a maddening quarterback throughout his entirety of his career. But he's been pretty good this year when he's healthy. He has. He's had some really nice games. And I feel like he really was starting to turn the corner. And then, unfortunately, injuries have kind of derailed his senior season so far. But I think if he's back and he's healthy, I give Oklahoma State the edge. And it's more a combination of, hey, I think Spencer Sanders can give Oklahoma a lot of problems. I think defensively that team is a mess. But also, I just – Man, I'm just having a tough time thinking that is going to win this football game because right. I just think that they are just in a tough spot right now, man. Like, I do. I think that they are reeling. I'll, I'll give – I don't want to give them too much credit, but I thought that they were going to completely quit on Venables. I don't think they've completely quit, but I just think they're not a very good team. I think that they have been competitive in some football games, but I, I still don't think that they are just – I think that they are a wounded duck as far as a mm. football team. Right now, in talent perspective, I think they lack – a lot of different spots that is not great. So as long as Spencer Sanders is healthy in this one, healthy enough, I have a 31-21 Oklahoma State. I think they get back on the right track after the victory last week. They start getting back in the, the proper direction that they look like they were going early in the season, and I just am kind of not buying into Oklahoma with in a big moments in their season right now.
1: No, Ryan, for me, I, I... – you said they've been in some in some of the games they've played, and that and that's true of the last two losses. You know they lost to Baylor by three in a close game. They lost West Virginia by three in a close game. They had a lead in that game at one point in time. Yep. I don't think their first three losses to good teams are overly competitive. Bay, Baylor is oh. scuffing a little bit, and West Virginia is not very good. And they lost to Kansas State by a touchdown, Ryan. But that game wasn't that close. It, it wasn't yeah. a one touchdown game. They scored was they scored one touchdown late. I think they had two, I'm looking at the box score now. I think they had a couple touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. It was a 34-20 game. Then Oklahoma scores, and Oklahoma, Kansas State goes back on top. It was like, it was one of those games where the score never really, to me, was indicative of how much Kansas State was outplaying them. That's you know it just Oklahoma was able to rip off a couple of big plays against that Kansas State defense is really the difference. And of course they got blown out by Texas, they got blown out by TCU, and I think Oklahoma State is closer to those teams when Spencer Sanders plays than he is to to West Virginia and Baylor. Uh, it's just when he when he plays. And that's kind of where it came down to for me. The 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 concern, the only concerning part for me is the Oklahoma State defense. It is a I I don't know if I've ever seen a defense go from as good as they were last year to as bad as they are this year with mostly the same players. They didn't yeah. lose a ton of guys. They lost a couple secondary guys. They lost their their Malcolm Rodriguez, a linebacker. Lost a interior but they, Brock Martin's back, Colin Oliver's back. They have a couple of their starting DB. I mean, they went from really good top 10 defense to a what they were for 20 years before that which is a bad Big 12 defense. That's the only yeah. thing that gives me pause is that Oklahoma is going to be able to hit enough plays in this game cuz TCU can make stops, Texas can make stops, Kansas State can make stops. Oklahoma mm-hmm. State's had a tougher time making stops in my opinion against good good offenses. But is Oklahoma a really good offense at this point in time? That's the question. You know, so I, I just I'm not I'm not buying this Oklahoma team. I'm I'm shocked it's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. They're a a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, to to be honest with you. And I just – I I think Oklahoma State's going to be able to rip them up. I just don't think they're going to be able to cover the Oklahoma State receivers. Oklahoma State's running game is not that great. That's one thing that could maybe be Oklahoma's saving grace. But as soon as they're going to win, they're going to have to start fast because this is a team that's on the brink, Ryan, in my opinion, of just quitting – and they've been here a couple times before, and Venables has been able to kind of walk them off the ledge after yeah. losing to, and that was after losing to good teams. After losing to Baylor and and, and West Virginia back to back games, this team is fragile. So they're going to have to come out early and get going if they can get Dylan Gabriel going, get Eric Gray, because that's been the one bright spot for their offense this year has been. Uh, I mean, Marvin Mims has been pretty good when when the quarterback plays been okay. But you know, Eric Grace had a really good year this year. He's already over 1,100 yards. He's a good football player. But I mean, he carried him for a couple series against Texas when they would go when they do that Wildcat stuff. They just kept running Eric Gray, and Texas couldn't do anything about it. And then they stopped doing it. Then they no, then they tried to have Eric Gray throw a pass, right? And that kind of isn't that when they threw the pick was stupid. But anyway, I just think that's their hope. They got us if they start off hot early. I think they got a shot to win, but I picked 41-31, but I could see it being worse than that because part of me wanted to go like 41-24, 41-17 because I feel like if Oklahoma State jumps on them early, it's going to be a rout, but if it's a competitive game, I could see Oklahoma winning it late. They are the home team. It also means their offense is moving the ball, so that's where I was torn with this week, Ryan, is is it was, if I think it's going to be a close game, then I got to go with Oklahoma because that means they're playing to their potential. But if it's not a close game, I think, or if Oklahoma State wins, I think it'll be a more convincing victory. So, But I settled kind of somewhere in the middle and went 41 to 31 in this matchup. So that's going to do it for that game, right? there's a couple other games. Now we're going to kind of go through just sort of early to to later games that, that I want to talk about. Here is a, a couple games that I have heard people say are potential upset games, and I'm not sure. We're gonna do a few upset pick, potential upset games or upset watch teams this week. One of them I buy, one of them I don't. The first one is Illinois at Michigan. Excuse me. Let me yes. Illinois at Michigan. Sean Davis picked Illinois to win this game. I've heard some other people say that what a homer. Uh, Ryan. What a homer. I want to I want to hear your stance on this. Personally, it's at Michigan. Illinois yep. offense is struggling. They, they Brown is banged up.
3: I just don't see how I don't see the path to victory for Illinois in this game. Do you? I, I don't either. It's Brian, I, I want to pick Illinois so bad. I really do because I love so much of defensively what that team has. I mean, you talk about Jerzon Newton up front with Keith Randolph and Sidney Brown and and the secondary of Devin Witherspoon at corner. And I mean they literally Illinois literally has three secondary players that have been invited to the senior bowl this year that defense is fantastic for illinois but you mentioned it already right your best offensive player bar none in in brown the running back chase brown is banged up and is you know if he plays i think he's gonna be super limited i don't even know if he's going to play and their passing attack has just been very inconsistent this year i mean tommy devito is just not a very good quarterback. And outside of Isaiah Williams, they don't have a ton of pass game weapons either to kind of go with him. Right. So I just struggle because can Illinois hold Michigan's offense down a little bit? Sure. They can. They're very talented defense, but to think that Illinois is going to be able to score enough against Michigan's defense. Like that's where I'm struggling, man, because Michigan's defense, it's not as good as it was last year, but it's still a really, it's still a really good unit. And it's mostly because, in this one, I just don't think that Illinois has enough playmakers and enough offensively to really challenge the Michigan defense. So I ultimately just don't think they're going to be able to score with Michigan. I think Michigan's going to be able to score a little bit more than they are. Is it going to be a lower-scoring game? Possibly because you're playing with two good defenses, but I just don't think Illinois is going to be able to score enough in this one.
1: I just – Ryan, I'm, I'm there with you. I, I the thing about JJ McCarthy, he's a young quarterback. You could say, "Hey, maybe he makes some big mistakes that gives Illinois the ball." But Michigan doesn't put him in position to lose games. That's the thing. They haven't needed him to win him a, the, he, they haven't needed him to win a single game this year in my opinion. So they haven't put him in position to lose games. And and I just don't see Illinois to your point. I don't see Illinois with Tommy DeVito and Brown being banged up to be able to go in there and beat them because to your point, if the Illinois defense plays great, and holds Michigan to 20 points, I still don't think Illinois can win the game. They have to, they have to not only keep Michigan, you know, kind of under 24, 20 to 24, but then also they got to create scores for themselves, whether it's getting short fields or whether it's getting scores directly. And I just don't think they're going to be able to do that at at the big house. I just don't, I don't, I don't think a one-dimensional team is beating Michigan unless that one dimensional team can really throw the football. And that's the thing. And so um, I'm uh, I'm not in love with this Michigan team, but I just I think their whole thing of we haven't really played a team that's on our level continues on Saturday. I hope I'm wrong, but I think that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. And Archer, the Penn State game is not a good win. They're not that good. They haven't played anybody. They've only played good two good teams all year, and they lost to both of them. He's just saying that because he needs he needs to be a good win for Michigan so that it's a good win for, for Ohio State. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's not a good win, so I don't see that one. The other potential – another potential upset game, and this one I actually buy a little bit more. We're going to go out in the Big 12, and it's another noon game. So the Michigan game is going to be noon on ABC. The other noon game is on Fox. It is number four TCU at Baylor. This Ryan, to me, is—I've been on the TC bandwagon. You know that. I think they're a good team, but this is the one that honestly concerns me a little bit. I don't—I mean, they're going to smash Iowa State next week. We don't know who they're going to play in the Big 12 title game, so we'll we'll see how that one goes. But as far as the regular season, if they win this weekend, they'll be undefeated when they go into the Big 12 title game. This is the game that concerns me a little bit because Baylor can play really good defense. Right, they're a little inconsistent, but they can play really good defense. And it's just to me, this is the kind of matchup that this year has given TCU some problems at times. This type of team has given them problems at times. So TCU's only a two and a half point favorite. That was the other thing. Now here's the here's the wrench. A week ago at this time, I'm looking at this game. I'm thinking this is a big time upset watch for me. Like I'm really concerned about this game for TCU. Then I watched Kansas State absolutely obliterate Baylor on Saturday. And now i got to ask myself, where's the headspace at for Baylor? Do they come Mm -hmm. back kind of ticked off, and that that makes it even more upset, like kind of minded? Or is this a game where Baylor's just a little bit shook from last week and TCU has a chance to jump on them? That's going to be the interesting thing. And then, of course, there's the we just beat Texas, we just beat these teams, Baylor, eh, you know. Does TCU come in in the right headspace? So the headspace for these two teams, Ryan, which you know I mean, it can get overplayed at times, but in this particular matchup, because of how the last two, the last game, last week went for both teams, mm-hmm. is something I'm very fascinated by. Does TCU come out play their game and roll, which I think they're capable of, and I think if TCU wins, I think they can win convincingly. Or does Baylor pull off the upset and and Dave Aranda continues to just be a really good football coach?
3: We talked about this on Tuesday a little bit, Brian, I've I've been waiting for TCU to come back down to earth because I just think it's I I thought for most of the season that this is just a really good coach getting the most out of his team. But I just wasn't sold that the talent level was to this heights to these heights. I'm not going to pay against TCU this time and maybe I'm going to jinx them a little bit. Yeah, just, I, was yeah. I was thinking it. You said it. I was thinking it. It might happen. It might happen. But I just – when I watch these two football teams, I know TCU didn't score a ton last week in their football game. But for the most part this year, they've had a really explosive offense. Max Duggan's had a really good year. Quinton Johnston has had some really big football games. Kendra Miller's been a really nice running back for them as well. I think that ultimately it's going to come down to – TCU is going to be able to outscore a less than stellar offensive football team for Baylor. Do I think Baylor is going to hang tough in, in on defensive side of the football for a little bit? Yeah, I do. I do. But ultimately, I just don't think that the offense led by Blake Shapin is enough to counteract and to outscore TCU enough. So give me TCU in this football game. I'm not going to say I'm fully on the bandwagon, but I'm just – I I think that they may have a chance to go undefeated in this regular season, and we'll see what happens in the Big 12 championship and beyond.
1: Here's another interesting upset game that I just want to kind of throw at you and just kind of get Mm -hmm. your thoughts, Ryan. And it's not one that I'm predicting. Well, there's two, and they're not, they're both in the SEC. They're not necessarily games I'm predicting, but let's just say I have my eye on them. Mm -hmm. The first one, seven o'clock on ESPN. Tennessee at South Carolina. Now, South Carolina and Tennessee are not really, I mean, Tennessee's a way better team. But here's where I'm looking at. South Carolina is a weird team that they have put a couple games together this year. We're like, hey, they looked pretty good in that game. They do have some players. The other part of it is, South Carolina has a pretty good pass defense. Outside of the Georgia game, their pass defense has been really good this year. My second thought is, is Tennessee really a mature enough team to be up? They remind me of a a much better version of Notre Dame. Okay, let, let me let me explain that a much better version of Notre Dame because they're better than Notre Dame. But hear me out now. Tennessee's best games this year have been when they've played other really good teams. You know, obviously Georgia being an exception, but they look great against LSU. Their offense was great against Bama. They've had some other games this year, Ryan, Where they kind of walk through games right? You know, they needed overtime to go win at Pitt. Uh, They they didn't look sharp early against Missouri, ended up running away with them, but they don't have a very good defense. Didn't look great putting Florida away. So, is this team mature enough to kind of feel like, hey, we've arrived. We've got two mediocre teams on our schedule, and we're just going to roll over them, and then South Carolina can jump them in the butt. So, I'm very fascinated by this one. I'm not predicting it, but we've seen South Carolina do this before, Ryan. 2019 South Carolina four and eight football team on the season mm-hmm. and had one of the biggest upsets of the season that year right if you do you remember which game I'm talking about they were playing number three Georgia at home South Carolina again not good at the time they were two and three they'd lost to North Carolina they got blown out by Missouri. They got blown out by Alabama. They're coming off of a decent win over a Kentucky team that wasn't that good. And they come home. No, I'm sorry. It was at Georgia. It was at Georgia. They win 20-17. to Now, that was a different Georgia team. But we've seen it before. So, again, just one that I'm going to kind of have my eye on as I'm watching better games. I'm going to kind of have my eye on to see that. And the thing about Spencer Rattler is he will have, like, a game a year where you're like – Oh, that's why people ranked him as a five star. hasn't really had that game yet this year. Does it come Saturday? I don't think it will, but there's just enough things lining up where I'm like, I'm at least going to have my eye on it. Brian, what
3: say you? Well, I mean, I'm going to have my eye on it too because I think Tennessee could turn into a track meet. <laughs> I just, I, I don't see it, Brian. Like, I, I hope, I hope so. I, I don't see
1: football. it. Well, I don't yeah. see it. So, so I'm not predicting it, yeah. but there's just no. enough ingredients there to say, hmm. Let's
3: see. I I definitely get that. I'm just I'm missing it with the South Carolina team a little bit. I mean, I think they were at 1.6 and 2 or 6 and 3, like they were actually looking They were the top 25. Like an, yeah. Yeah, like they they were looking okay at some points, you know. And there there is ingredients. I agree with you, right? Like I mean, just from a team structural perspective, they have a decent secondary. Cam Smith is a really good corner, very underrated football player. Zach Pickens is a really good defensive lineman. Jordan Bunch is a pretty talented football player. Was a former pretty top recruit. Offensively, like you said, Spencer Rattler has all the tools in the world, just hasn't put it together consistently at all. Marshawn Lloyd's a talented back. They have Jaheen Bell at tight end. Austin Stogner, former Oklahoma transfer that came over with Spencer Rattler. So there are tools there, right? There are some players that, to get to get excited about. There's no doubt about it. I just, I personally do think that this Tennessee team is mature enough, though. I do. Mm-hmm. I, I think that you have a six-year senior quarterback. You have a pretty experienced offensive line. You have some guys on defense on the second and third levels that have played a lot of football. You have a pair of defensive ends that are both juniors and red, and a Richard senior and Byron Young and Tyler Barron. So these guys have been around the block. Now they haven't experienced success to the degree that they've had this year. So that. Again, it's a it's a legitimate question to, to put out there. Will they be able to handle success? I think that they have done a nice job throughout. You know, coming at off of that Georgia loss in handling their business. You know, last week especially. So I think that they can maintain the momentum. They keep it rolling here. I just don't think that South Carolina is going to have the firepower to outscore or even entertain outscoring a South Carolina a very talented Tennessee team. Yep. And it's last senior one, day, I believe, for Tennessee, if I remember correctly. No, Tennessee's senior nope. day was last week. It's at South oh. Carolina. Yeah, Tennessee's right. on the road the okay. next two games. Yeah,
1: Tennessee's at South Carolina this week, at Vandy next week. They, their senior day was last week. It is It is senior day for South Carolina because their last game's at Clemson. So, and to your point, Ryan, you know, they had one, they started off one and two lost to Arkansas and Georgia, then won their next four games, blew out Charlotte, blew out South Carolina state, beat Kentucky by 10 on the road when Kentucky was ranked, uh, beat Texas A and M. And then they drop a home game to Missouri. Then the next week Mm -hmm. they go out and beat Vanderbilt on the road and then come back and and go down to Gainesville and get smashed by Florida last week. So they're just not, they're not that team, but they show enough flashes and there's enough ingredients to say, I'm going to keep my eye on this one. Here's another game I'm going to have my eye on, Ryan, and there's there, I'm not predicting it, but it's just one of those games to keep an eye on because, and that is I'm just going to come out with it. It's, not, it's, it's going to be a 9 o'clock game on ESPN2. It's UAB at LSU. LSU has clinched the Western crown. They have, let's just say LSU has uh, had a tendency this year to at times play play Played down a little bit to their competition, right? Mm-hmm. Similarly to Notre Dame, and and you talk about how they played against Florida State. They they didn't play that great against Auburn. They played horrible against Arkansas last week. And I would argue with all the injuries Arkansas is dealing with right now, that UAB's not much different than Arkansas is right now, except for one exception. They have a little bit more experienced quarterback right now than what the what what what. Uh, excuse me, what uh, what Oregon was – or, excuse me, uh, Arkansas was putting on the field last week. And here's the other thing. UAB can really run the football. can okay. really run the football. Dwayne McBride's Man. a
3: good player. They're running Yeah, back. yeah,
1: player. yeah. And he's he's got 1,400 yards this year, Ryan. At 6.9 per carry, 70 touchdowns. Their number two running back, Jermaine Brown, has 689 yards and six-point yards a carry. And then their quarterbacks have combined, D- Dylan Hopkins and Jacob Zeno – combined for over 200 rushing yards so you're talking about a team that at times this year has looked really dangerous has looked really good and at times this year has just looked kind of like dude how did you lose that game right that's kind of the weird thing about them but you know last week they had a very convincing win over north texas Uh, they've had wins this season over over georgia southern Uh, middle tennessee they blew out middle tennessee blew out charlotte who stinks um, and, and of course, this last week, North Texas, but they also lost a really close game to UTSA, lost a really close game to Florida Atlantic, lost a really close game to Western uh, Kentucky, and the worst loss they've had this year uh, was a really close loss to Rice. They have not had a loss by more than seven points this year. They've lost by seven, four, three, seven, and six. Their wins have been by 59, 14, 27, 14, and 20. Mm-hmm. So, and of course they're dealing with their head coach had to step away in the off season. That was this off season. Correct. When Bill Clark Lina stepped less, away, yeah. I believe. Clark, Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of where we're at. So that's a game to me um, is on my mind because this is an LSU team that, that has shown a little bit of uh, I say immaturity at times, you know, this year. Mm-hmm. And the other thing too, is Ryan, this is an LSU team that can be run on in my opinion. Yes. And and that's that's a big component to this. They've they've allowed over 200 rushing yards three times this year, and mm. the last couple teams that didn't run on them because they don't really run the ball well. But I felt the same way going into the Ole Miss game, mm. and they did a great job against Ole Miss's run game. So mm-hmm. perhaps they've turned a the corner since the, since the middle of the season they get run on. That's a game that I've got my eye on too, Ryan. Just to kind of see, and, and it, it's not even. That LSU might lose. My question is, if LSU struggles against UAB, mm-hmm. how does their non-conference start to maybe affect how they're viewed? Like, let's say they beat UAB by seven to ten points in a game. They kind of pull. They have to pull away late. You mm-hmm. say, okay, so you lost a non-conference game to a middle of the road, you know, middle of the pack SEC or ACC team. You played mm-hmm. a Sunbelt team who was five and five, six and five. Or five and five, and you and, and you didn't really run them off the field, right? So I, I could see where if even if they don't blow them out, if they if it's a close game, even if they win, that could start to have an impact. If let's say Clemson wins out or USC wins out, even if LSU is able to beat George in the SEC title game, an eleven and two uh, SEC champ that kind of was not very good out of conference, yeah, it, it's going to be fascinating. So anyway, that's another game that's
3: kind of on the back of my mind, right? That That's a that's like a pesky team to UAB, right? Because you mentioned mm-hmm. the ability to run the football can always keep you in a football game, right? Like ultimately, you know, I'm not going to pick UAB to pull that upset, but they could keep it close. I think they can for a while, at least until LSU has to pull away at the end. So, I mean, I'll obviously be rooting for you, maybe. I'll be a big Blazer fan during that football game. There's no doubt about it. And I'll be hoping for Dwayne McBride to have the game of his life and parlay that into NFL draft buzz because I know he's getting a little bit of buzz. Great note, though, Brian. Great note that I want to end this conversation on. It's okay. completely random, but you know how my mind works sometimes, okay? Jacob Zeno, mm-hmm. who was at Baylor originally. Mm-hmm. He was over there. I like he was on I Baylor a
1: lot. By
3: the way. Yeah. He's got a real talented arm, man. He's got a yeah. live arm. So when he so you know how programs like to kind of, you know, fluff the uh fluff the the measurables up a little bit, right? This list guy's a little bigger than they are. When Jacob Zeno was at Baylor, he was listed at six foot one. If you go to his profile now on on UAB, he's listed at six foot four, which is fantastic. <laughs> they gave my man an extra three inches. <laughs>
1: So I think Ryan, I think he was listed at six four on his coming out of high. Yes, he was listed at six four coming out of high school too. So yeah, that's kind of funny. So they're they're giving him his recruiting size again, right? Yes. And then Baylor put him at his real size. That's yes. really funny. Just
3: that's an extra really three funny. inches, no big deal.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he does look taller than six one to me, but he doesn't look six four by any stretch. No, of the he's definitely not six <laughs> four at all. Exactly. At all. So that's I posted fantastic. that in the
3: offseason. That was the funniest thing though. Literally yeah. on Baylor. It's like 6-1 Jacob Zeno. And then in one offseason, he's now six four UAB star Jacob Zeno, which is yeah. fantastic. I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Let's work through a
1: couple quick games here, real quick, Ryan. I just want to kind of do sort of a, a, a rapid fire on this, a little different rapid fire than what the other guys do, but we're going to do a little bit of a quick rapid fire just to get some thoughts on a couple games. And how you see some things playing out? Wisconsin at Nebraska, big game from Wisconsin. You're five and five. Your last two games, you play at Nebraska, home against Minnesota. You got to win mm-hmm. one to get into a bowl game, right? And I think that this is also Jim Leonard coaching for his chance to be the head football coach. Nebraska, yeah. do they pack it in, or does it, and lose ten point underdogs at home, or do they kind of come out and say, "Hey, we're going to give one last." One last shot to try to maybe pick off a big win this year or, you know,
3: because again, this is senior day for Nebraska, last home game of the year. What say you, Ryan? I I think it's going to be a close football game. I would still pick Wisconsin, but I think one thing that you mentioned is the senior day implications, right? Like I do think that Nebraska has some seniors on that football team, like Garrett Nelson and O'Shawn Mathis that are going to be ready to play. Like they're going to be proud football players and want to end their season off right I think Wisconsin ultimately does win this game because I still I'm still high on Braylon Allen and everything that he can do running the football. So give me Wisconsin, but I do think that I do think that Nebraska's going to cover that ten points. And that just feels like a lot to this Wisconsin team that is very, very inconsistent throwing the football. Well, we've I mean, we've talked some... about
1: how the computers in Vegas view Wisconsin. Yes. every year it's like. Yep. I, I, I scratch my head at some of the spreads, like the Michigan State one. Remember that? We said that week. Yes. Like, not only did I not think they were going to win by that much, they weren't even going to win. I picked Michigan right. State to win that game. And I think you did so, as,
3: as well. I, I think, Brian, I think that they think that Graham Mertz that played his first ever football game against Illinois is still the Graham Mertz that we see today and that he's going to do that every single game, right? Like They just give him yep. too much. And that, that's, that's where this offense falls apart, is that they're always going to be able to run the football, because they always have some talent up front. They have Braylon Allen, who's an absolute freak show at running back. But the quarterback position has just been a big, big inconsistency for them over the last few years. And I think that Graham Merch just isn't that good. So I think that he's going to keep Nebraska or this passing offense is going to keep Nebraska in the football game. But I ultimately do think that Wisconsin's just a little more talented than what Nebraska is right now. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, let's go to some more. I agree with you on that. Here's another very interesting game that I was hinting at before when you were had to step out. Duke at 7-3 and three, goes to Pittsburgh this weekend, who's 6-4. and four. Uh, mm-hmm. Fascinating story. Pitt is a touchdown favorite over Duke. The Blue Devils have won four games in a row. Duke's three losses this year, Ryan, are by a combined 14 points. They lost by eight at Kansas, lost by three at or home against North Carolina, lost by three in overtime against Georgia Tech. They've won three in a row, blew out Miami, beat BC on the road by a touchdown, and beat Virginia Tech last week by 17. Pitt, on the other hand, Ryan, is coming off of two good wins in a row, beat Syracuse two weeks ago, blew Virginia out last week in a very impressive game, which helped them overcome back-to-back losses to Louisville and North Carolina. So, going into this game, Duke has a lot to play for. They have Pitt on the road this week, home against Wake Forest next week. There's a legitimate chance for Mike Elko to go 9-3 and three in his first year at Duke. I think even if he can just win one of the next two, eight and four is a heck of a turnaround and looks a whole lot different than seven and five. I know that may seem crazy because it's just one game, but it just looks different. Can yep. Duke go on the road with Riley Leonard and the and the team that Mike Elko has put together and beat Pitt at bit? I'm predicting actually an upset in this game. This is going to be my upset pick of the week, which is six a team's got to be more than a six-point underdog or beat a ranked team. Pitt being a seven-point underdog, this is my
3: upset pick, Ryan. I'm taking Duke over Pitt. What say you, Mr. Roberts? I was going to say the same exact thing. I think that this is a big upset pick. I think it's a big opportunity for Duke because I think that there was a couple layers to this football game. One, Pitt offensively has turned into a very one-dimensional football team. Israel Abakinda is a really good running back. There's no doubt. But with Keaton Slovis being banged up and just inconsistent and that passing game, just not doing very well. I think that this is a defense for Mike Elko with Shaka Hayward and Dwayne Carter and some good players up the middle where I think that they're going to be able to do enough to slow down, slow down Israel Kinda to a degree and try to force Pitt to throwing the football. And then on the other side, Man, I just I think the world of Riley Leonard. Like I think that that kid is just going to be a really, really good football player in the future, and I think that he's already shown the flashes of how good he can be this year. So I'm going to take Duke in this one because I think that we're going to be able to do enough just to make a one-dimensional pit team have to beat them through the air. So I'm going to take the better quarterback of how they're playing right now. Give me Riley Leonard, Duke in the upset. Their defense, I think, plays a big part in this one.
1: I dig it. So we're on the same page. Here's an interesting game. Number 15, Kansas State at West Virginia. Both teams had huge wins last week. Obviously their seasons have gone very different. Kansas State needed that game last week, Ryan. I thought they were going to lose. I thought they were going to drop to six and four. A lot of the shine from how good of a season they were going to have was going to be gone. I did not think they were going to go on the road and beat Baylor. Baylor had been playing good football. Baylor was starting to get hot and they destroyed Baylor 31 to 3. I mean, just outplayed him from the jump and forced some turnovers of Baylor, and just really Baylor could never get anything going offensively. Now they go back on the road to West Virginia, a team that was reeling, Ryan. They had won, they had yeah. lost three in a row, had lost four or five. They lost to Texas by 18, beat Baylor by a field goal in a great game. I don't know if you watched that game, Ryan, but it was I mean, I should say it was a great fourth quarter, uh, mm-hmm. more so than it was a great game. <laughs> Then got blown out by Texas Tech, 48-10, to 10, lost by 10 to TCU, got beat by I- Iowa State by 17. Iowa State by 17. It's not a good Iowa State football team. And then what did they do last week? At home, they beat Oklahoma 23-20. It's senior day in uh, Morgantown this weekend. JT Daniels getting his last chance to play at home. Can the Mountaineers pull off a second straight win uh, with Neil Brown's job on the line or – was last week an anomaly against a team that's just simply not very good? And K State keeps rolling. What, are, what do I, you say there, Mr. Roberts? And K State, by I the way, was, is a seven and a half point favorite.
3: Yeah, I think it's. A, I think it was an anomaly a little bit for West Virginia. I just think that they've had a couple outlier victories where you're just like, you know, it just it worked that day. And could it happen again? It's always possible. But I, I just Kansas State, I think, is just a better football team. I just do. I just think they're more talented. I think that what you're talking about offensively with guys like deuce vaughn and now the you know even if adrian martinez is still banged up well howard yeah. is now turned into they're a good at
1: quarterback player. no matter who plays that's one exactly. difference about this team ryan uh, let me interrupt you real quick and let you get back on it in the past yeah. like when they lost skylar thompson they were done yeah it was over. chris yeah. Clemens had some really good football teams that were just they were limited at quarterback behind the starter and yeah. when skylar thompson went down in two different years they just they hit they just went off a cliff this team has shown, because of getting the por- the portal kid with and then developing Will Howard, that mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who they put a quarterback. They've been a pretty good football team this year. And so that's a positive sign for for him. That's not like it was in the past, right? So to, to, to your point, it really doesn't matter who they play quarterback. This team has shown the ability to win football games. So and it, please continue with, with the
3: matchup because we're on the same page what? on this one. Yeah, and I was going to say, Brian, is that I actually think that they've been a more balanced football team when Will Howard's been out there because he can throw the football a little more consistently than Adrian Martinez. He's not quite the dynamic athlete that Martinez is, but there is something to be said about the balanced attack. But I think ultimately, Deuce Vaughn, Felix, Anaduke, Uzama as a pass rusher, Khalil Dukes, a really talented player as well, Julius Brents, their corner who's like 6'4", just got invited to the Senior Bowl. They just have more dudes, I think, than West Virginia ultimately. So West Virginia is always a threat to score some points because they're just a, they're a very bipolar team, right? Like one week they look okay offensively, the next they look inept. And so they might be able to score a little bit. But, I mean, this Kansas State team, I think, is starting to plateau and play their best level of football. And I, I just I just think they just have too many dudes for West Virginia.
1: Okay, here's the next question, Ryan. We know Georgia's going to beat Kentucky right we, we both agree with that here's my question though cuz kentucky plays a decent defense and this is a little bit of an, you know georgia's got two week games coming up uh i imagine georgia's going to kind of get a lead and start resting some guys the next couple weeks is my prediction so my question would be does georgia cover the 22 and a half
3: spread at kentucky i think they do it's it 22 and a half's a lot of points but i think they cover and it's mostly because honestly brian like, one, Kentucky has been a good running team since Chris Rodriguez got back. I mean, Chris Rodriguez is a really good running back for them. It's really good college back. But what gives me worry in this game is that, well, I mean, man, I thought Will Levis was going to put together a nice season after showing flashes last year, but he started out okay and then he just fell off a cliff, man, and he is just not being good down the stretch here. So I think anytime you have a one-dimensional offense going against that talented of a Georgia defense – I just don't think Kentucky's going to be able to score enough. And again, Kentucky plays a nice brand of defense. They got guys like Jordan Wright at as a pass rusher and J.J. Weaver, some talent on that defensive side of the football. But ultimately, I just don't think that Kentucky's going to be able to score enough. So give me Georgia to cover, unfortunately, in that one. I said it this
1: summer. I did not get the Will Levis hype. I thought he was a product of Liam Cohen's system. When he left, I had a feeling that the offense would get bad. It would, would not be as good. I didn't think it would be this bad. I'll be honest it's with you. Right here, here's it's really the bad. shocker. They went 4 0 without Chris Rodriguez. Since yes. he's been back, they are two and four. Now I'm not blaming him. I mean, that yeah. kind of jumped into your SEC part of your schedule, right? I mean that you know they beat Miami of Ohio, Youngstown State, Northern Illinois, but they did beat Florida at Florida. Mm-hmm. And they have gone uh, two and four with wins over Mississippi State and Missouri and then losses to Miss Ole Miss in a competitive loss. South Carolina at home, blown out by Tennessee, and then last week lost at home to Vanderbilt. Yes, I agree. I think Georgia will cover, but I think that I could see Kentucky sneaking in a score to get under late because I do think Georgia will get a big lead and then rest guys these next couple weeks. That's my that's my that's uh, nice. prediction on that.
3: That's a nice victory last week for Clark Lee, by the way. Good for him. Yeah.
1: Big time, big time. Good guy. I like Coach Lee. Didn't always agree with his recruiting decisions, but a good man in my opinion. Here's another one, Ryan. Miami at Clemson. Clemson is up 19. Now, this isn't a prediction of the game, but I think this is an important game for Clemson for two reasons. Number one is Miami's recruiting very well, partly because NIL. You need to beat them so bad that kids are like, do you want to make – yeah, you can go there and make money, but you're going to get embarrassed and play for a garbage program. That's number one. Number two, Clemson needs to blow out their next two opponents in order to, to get a little bit more respect. They're not getting enough respect from the committee right now for me. Clemson – because the ACC is not getting enough respect from the committee right now. and right. And so to me – this is one of those games where Clemson's got to come out and dominate. They're 19 point favorites. Can Clemson does Clemson have enough offense to do it? Or, or, or maybe plus a combination of is Miami ready to quit? Because after what Christobal said this week to, to, to there's a bunch of parents that were tweeting negative things about the coaching and all that stuff. And he said, Hey, you're more than welcome to come pick up your kids, right? If you don't wow. like, if you don't <laughs> like it, you're more than welcome to come pick them up. It's going to be one of two things that's going to happen. Miami either responds well to it, and they come out and play inspired football, or B, they're going to fold, and Clemson's going to destroy them. And with this Miami team, I have no clue which one of those two things it's going to be. But I will yeah. say this. This is a game where are not looking at upset or whatever else. Clemson has to dominate this football game if they're going to continue to kind of catch people's attention going down the stretch. Good win against Louisville last week, but you, you're up 31-10. You missed a chance to really put Louisville away. You let the game be not as big of a blot as it as it really was. They can't make mm-hmm. that
3: same mistake against Miami. Did you say that was 18 was the spread of that game? 19. Oh, man. Oh, 19 is so big for that Clemson offense. That in, is a in, big in, spread. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, and, and, and,
3: and, have,
1: and it's a 47.5 over under. So basically what they're saying is, There's not going to be a lot of scoring, but Miami's not scoring
3: on this this Clemson defense. Which is probably safe to say with what we've seen offensively from Miami over the last few weeks. Brian, I mean, if you ask me which one's more likely, I would say that more likely Miami packs it in, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess I would take Clemson to cover, but I wouldn't feel great about it. But it's just I haven't seen any life out of this Miami team. Like, I haven't seen it. I mean, there's just been this weird carousel of quarterback with Van Dyke and Jake Garcia, and then Jakari Brown, I think is the yeah. third stringer's name that's been playing. Well, he's
1: the starter now. I mean, he he's a true freshman who really can't throw right now. Like Van they're gonna they're heavy, gonna throw yeah. that. What they're gonna do to him on Saturday is a lot like what I felt Georgia did to Anthony Richardson last, or Florida did to Anthony Richardson last year by giving him his first career start against Georgia. Throw him to the dogs. Right? But yeah. at least then yeah. Anthony Richardson was in the second year. This kid's a true freshman. Who's got yeah. tons of tools, but he's not a quarterback right now. Like at first, they're putting him in as just kind of being a a wildcat type of quarterback, but now right. they're letting him be the quarterback. Uh, so oh, I, um,
3: it's yeah, very strange, very
4: strange. And, and I think and if my, they do Miami, that,
3: Clemson will dominate. Will dominate. I think. So.
4: This
3: yeah, I think you're correct because Miami was actually running the ball okay early in the season with the Parish kid, but that is kind of stopped the offensive line isn't playing very well. I mean, offensive side of the football for Miami, it's just been ugly, man. Like it has not been good at all. Defensively they've they been okay in spurts, but it's just not great offensively. So if I had to pick, I would pick Clemson this cover because I just I was High and I'm still kind of high on the Mario Cristobal thing in Miami. Like I thought that he was a good fit for that program and he would be able to recruit at a high level. But right now, I just don't see any life from that Miami team. So I kind of think they pack it in this week. I really do.
1: Ryan, I think that all I think he needed to say what he said. I think it's yeah. almost good for him if a bunch of those kids leave, honestly. I, and I know it's going to put the program yeah. off a little bit, but it's like get those kids out, let them leave. And we'll go get a bunch of portal kids that we can handpick. we'll we'll bring we'll sign as big of a recruiting class as we can get. And then that's mm-hmm. how you can quickly, you know, get your culture changed. Cause there's two the problem is when you bring in 25 new players into a culture of 50 dudes that's broken, there's a greater chance that the new kids get more adopted into the new the old culture than the other way around. But if you can bring in like 40 new kids, you know, let's say 28 recruiting and then like 12 to 13 you know, 40, 41, do transfers. Now all of a sudden you brought in a whole new fresh of blood and now you've let them kids know this is what you're coming into. This is what we need you to do. So I, I kind of liked what he did, to be honest with yeah. you. I kind of liked that he called him out and said, hey, you want to be here, leave. Right. I think the first year one is the best time to do that. If you say that in year three, mm-hmm. it's like coach is panicking, you know, yeah. but when you say that in year one, it's kind of like, okay, he's trying to change something, right? Yeah. And uh, I, I was smart. It was smart, in my opinion. So, but I don't think the players are going to respond well to it. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. I don't. No. I don't. I don't. I uh, don't. Which is kind of bad, but good, honestly. But but, you know, but you're correct that it is
3: out. a necess- It's a necessary evil that needs to happen, right. though, right? If a t- if players have not bought into it and they're going to oppose it so much, you have to get rid of that, right? Because even if it's talented football players, if they're not bought into the vision of what you're trying to build then it's counterproductive to you. So I agree completely to that sense.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app.
1: couple more here Ryan we're going to kind of quickly work through Texas at Kansas this is a very yep. interesting game for me Ryan because Texas is is uh how did they handle last week right and mm-hmm. Kansas is reeling you know they're they're uh they've won one of their last four games their only win was a 21 point win over Oklahoma state they have shown that they're a much better team at home this year than they are on the road at least since yep. uh, their quarterback Daniels got hurt i believe he's still out right? I he and yeah. mm-hmm. the kid that started now is an athletic kid, but he was the kid that was there last year when they weren't very good because he's just he's not as team. good as Daniels yeah. is, right? right. But Texas is a, a bit of a, a, a strange team, Ryan. I'm curious about how their mental their mental state is this week after the loss to TCU last week. So does Kansas have any shot to upset the Longhorns? Kansas is a nine-point home dog, Ryan I don't think they have enough firepower to do it. I don't think the quarterback I think the quarterback being gone is an issue. This is more about this will be a game if Texas doesn't come
3: with the right mindset. That's more of what my question is for you. I I think this is a gut check time for Texas because what are they now? They're six and four, right? Like they Mm -hmm. are. They've been extremely up and down, and I think that you are starting to be a little worried about Quinn Ewers. You know, like he hasn't been the same since he came back from that injury, and he just hasn't looked because early in the year going into that Alabama game, he was kind of trending upward, you know, like there was a lot of exponential growth. And since he's come back, I feel like it's kind of been fallen to the wayside a little bit. So I think this is a little bit of a gut check for this Texas team, this Texas offense, especially led by Quinn Ewer. So Mm -hmm. I think that ultimately Texas gets back on the right track. I don't know if I would say that it's going to be a, substantial victory where it's just like start to finish you dominate the football game because I do think this Kansas team is tough I do I think that they play a hard brand of football I just think Texas is more talented at the end of the day so I say that Quinn starts getting going back in the right direction Texas gets a victory but I say that Kansas is probably a pesky team and sticks around for a little bit but talent wins out it for me
1: these next two games are going to be huge for Texas Ryan you're talking about a team that went five and seven last year and lost was it six of their last seven games, and this year's team started off well, close loss Mm -hmm. to Bama, Texas Tech without their starter. Then they won three in a row, beat West Virginia, smashed Oklahoma, beat Iowa State. Then they lost to Oklahoma State, and it looked like they had kind of recovered. They went on the road, beat Kansas State in an impressive game, but last week they got thoroughly outplayed by TCU. TCU missed a lot of chances to turn that game into a blowout. They really did. Now you say, okay, where's Texas? Are you gonna kind of go one and two the last couple games? Go seven and five, which honestly isn't a huge improvement from last year to me. Honestly, it's it's really not. Or can you rally and win your last two? Because eight and four after five and seven, when you can point to a one loss, a one-point loss to Bama, a, a touchdown loss on the road to Oklahoma State, a touchdown loss to a team that could be in the college football playoff include and you've got road wins over Kansas State. You blow out Oklahoma. There's enough in there at eight and four for Texas to say, we're starting to turn the corner. We really are. And so I do think these next two games are big for Texas in their future. Gives them some really good momentum going into the offseason, which they need. To finish this recruiting off class off well, they're trying to flip some kids here down the stretch. So I do think that that finishing strong is going to be very important for the Longhorns, and it's going to tell us they've learned how to win football games. Uh, it's very, I think that's a very important thing. Uh, we're going to roll through a few more here, Ryan. Here's a here's an eight o'clock game that I I'm, I'm very interested in: Syracuse at Wake Forest. This is two really struggling football teams. I think Wake Forest is going to – I just can't get a read on Wake Forest. This is like the third week in a row I kind of thought they were going to kind of turn it around, or this will be the third week in a row I thought they were going to bounce back against NC State. They didn't. I predicted them to beat North Carolina at home last week. They didn't. Syracuse is – I mean, these are two teams headed in bad directions, right? Uh, Wake has lost three in a a row. Syracuse has lost four in a row and they got absolutely humiliated. They were at least competitive against Clemson and Notre Dame. They got humiliated last week by Syracuse, 38-3, to and it could have been way worse. Which team gets back on track in this weekend? I'm going Wake Forest, Ryan. What say you in this
3: game? I'm going Wake Forest as well. I think Syracuse, the injuries, I've just caught up to them, man. Like I really do. Garrett Schrader getting banged up, and then Garrett Williams getting injured in the Notre Dame game for a guy that's a real vocal leader for them and a big backbone of their defense. I feel like we have now seen that Syracuse has some guys up top. You know, we talked about the Mikel Joneses, the Garrett Williams, the Sean Tuckers. That top echelon of players for Syracuse are really nice. But the more injuries that they sustain, I think you just kind of see that there is depth issues still on that yeah. team, right? So yeah. I think that that's – I think that Wake Forest is just the more healthy team comparative to Syracuse right now. So give me the more healthy team, although both are heading in a bad direction, like you say said. I just think that Wake Forest is going to be able to score a little bit on Syracuse. So give me yeah. Wake Forest, just a slightly more healthy team.
1: And I think the Syracuse is, it was a little bit smoke and mirrors early. I think their offensive coordinator is a pretty good football coach. And to your point, I think teams have kind of figured it out, and their quarterback plays back to where it was last year, in my opinion. That's basically what we've seen. And so that's kind of been the reason why they've struggled. And he's he is um, he's kind of doing what he did. I like Robin and I as an offensive coordinator in some ways. I think he does some good stuff on the football. But his utter unwillingness to try to establish the ground game is mind-boggling to me mind-boggling you've got a massive offensive line you've got one of the best running backs in college football and you've now gone three straight games with under 100 yards rushing like okay that's not good it's not, not good no it's not good all right let's get to so we got wrap. brandon just kind of threw this up there brandon pleasner says he wants to kind of get quick thoughts and picks ryan so let's work through a couple of these real quick uh and then the, uh, we'll get to these old miss arkansas ryan Ole Miss, obviously, number 14 team in the country. Arkansas is reeling quite a bit. Another team that kind of yeah. came into this year with some expectations, Ryan. They have not been able to kind of to, to play to the level people thought. They're, they, got, they were in the top 10 at one point in time this year, Ryan, and they are now 5-5 five and five and have lost two in a row to Liberty and LSU. They're home, yeah. senior day against Ole Miss. Ole Miss is coming off of a, lot, a heartbreaking loss to Bama. How does this one play out, Ryan? I got Ole Miss. What say you?
3: I got old misses. Well, I think it could be a competitive football game if KJ Jefferson is playing, but I think if he's, if he's not, I just not a believer in Malik Hornsby and Cade Fonten or wherever the third Fortin, the, the third string yeah. quarterback for them. So I, I just think that the quarterback play falls off a cliff when KJ doesn't play. So give me old yep. miss in that one.
1: All right, Ryan. Next game that he wants to talk about is Texas Tech at Iowa State. Texas Tech had lost two games in a row, lost to Baylor in a blowout. Battled TCU, but ended up falling short in a game they were never really in. Bounced back last week with a convincing home win over Kansas, 43-28. to Iowa State is losers of six of their last seven. They had lost five in a row before beating West Virginia, 31-14 to at home. Went on the road last week. Were, was beating Oklahoma State until Spencer Sanders came in the game and rallied them the victory. Uh, now yeah. they are at home for senior day against Texas Tech, Ryan. The, the Red Raiders under Joey McGuire are five and five in their, in their three-and-a-half-point road dogs against Iowa State. Now, here's the interesting thing, Ryan. Iowa State has Texas Tech at home this week and at TCU next week. Lose one, and there's most likely no postseason because they're five and seven. And then Texas Tech is in a similar boat. They're at Iowa State this week and then home against Oklahoma next week. Both of these teams enter sort of a must-win situation going into this weekend if they want to qualify for a bowl game.
3: Give give me Iowa State. They're the home team, senior day. I think that they at least play very good defense on the Iowa State side of things. Texas Tech is just too up and down for me. I like some of the things that Coach McGuire is doing, but I just can't get a pulse on them on a week-to-week basis. So I'll take Iowa State in a tough one, mostly because they're at home.
1: I'm going Texas Tech. I do not like Iowa State. I think the the West Virginia win was a mirage. I think they're the team that's lost six to seven. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Texas Tech. And I and I'll tell you something else about Texas Tech that really impressed me. They are very up and down. But yep. I thought after getting blown out by Baylor and after getting beat by TC that they were gonna fold, they played really well last week against Kansas. So I, I like you know, those kids at least play hard. They they don't that you're you're gonna get their best effort. They're gonna play hard. They're banged up a little bit, but I think they're going to beat Iowa State. I do not like the makeup of this Iowa State football team at all. Next one from him, and we're going to skip over one. We're going to go to NC State at Louisville. This is a very intriguing game, two teams coming off of losses. Obviously, Louisville's was a little bit – I mean, you kind of predicted it, right? They were playing Clemson, NC State. Coach ran his mouth a lot last week. Or, no, excuse me, Louisville's coach ran his mouth a lot last week. They did get smacked. NC State loses at home to a 2-7 and seven Boston College team. These are two teams that have lost a lot of shine after kind of getting on some hot streaks. Louisville's a four-point home favorite against number 24, NC State. Ryan, how do you see this one playing out? I'm going with the Cardinals because I think they're at home and I don't think NC State can score. Who are you going
3: with? I'll take NC State. MJ Morris has done some good stuff over the first couple games. was a little uneven last week, obviously, but he had a really nice game two games ago. Give me NC State just mostly because I don't trust Louisville. (laughs) That's just all it comes down Mm -hmm. to, man. Like, this is a... Who do you trust a little more than the other? And I'll just take NC State. At least I know that they're going to play a good defense for the most part. MJ Morris makes a couple big plays, but I really could go either way on that one.
1: Yeah, it's uh, two teams that are playing kind of ugly football, if we're going to be honest about it, right? And, you know, you're talking about Texas Tech and not knowing what to expect one week to the next. That's kind of how I feel about Louisville. We we really don't know what to expect from them week to week. They're a very strange team. I (laughs) agree. Now, the one game, and this is going to be the last game that we talk about, Ryan, the one game that Brandon had on there that I think is very fascinating this week is the Iowa at Minnesota game. I cannot believe this. We talked about this on Tuesday night, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to wrap things up here. I cannot believe that Iowa has a flipping chance to win the Big Ten West. That is the (laughs) most bizarre, ugly conference. You have four teams that are four and three, Purdue, Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota. Illinois, Iowa, and Minnesota all have tough games left coming up. Illinois obviously plays at Michigan today. Then they play at at Northwestern, which they should win. Then you have Iowa plays at Minnesota this weekend. They finish at home against Nebraska. If they can pull off, I will finish it up. Minnesota plays at home against Iowa. Then they play at Wisconsin. And then there's Purdue, who this weekend plays home against Northwestern and then at Indiana. Purdue actually has a, I would argue, the cleanest path – to this as far as who they play now Purdue has some the head-to-head does not favor them so they mm-hmm. need all these teams to catch an L the next week for Purdue to be able to win the division because a lot of the head-to-heads don't favor them but if you look at the schedule Purdue's the team with the best chance to go 2-0 the next two weeks Iowa to me is second if they can beat Minnesota if they beat mm-hmm. Minnesota this weekend I think Iowa uh, will be in the Will, will be the big 10 West champs because they have the head to head over Purdue. Uh, they have Nebraska at home next week. I do not see Iowa losing that game. This to me is, you could see the, the, you could see the big 10 West decided this weekend in
3: this matchup. Yeah. Well, Brian, so this one, and if you watch the show, I picked Iowa to make the big 10 championship game. So, you know who I'm going to pick here, right? I mean, it's pretty obvious I think for me, again, Minnesota is one of those teams that is extremely one-dimensional. I know that Tanner Morgan's been banged up. They've had a backup quarterback in there. They're always a team that's going to be able to run the football to a a large degree, especially when Muhammad Ibrahim is healthy, obviously. But, I mean, I just look at this team, Brian. I'm just like a one-dimensional team against Iowa's defense. As bad as Iowa's offense has been this year, and it's terrible, Iowa's defense can play. They are a really staunch defense. Jack Campbell and those guys have done, been very good against the run. just overall a good defense. So, I mean, they're a top-ten defense,
1: Ryan. Would you agree with that? They're one of the oh, ten yeah,
3: best defenses in college football this year, in my opinion, Without especially one, when you and consider they're getting no help. No yes, help. A top-ten defense and one of the worst two offenses in the FBS. Like, that's where we are with this, right? In the power it's five, the I should say. Like, it's, it's all the other. I don't know. I'm just throwing out a number there because I well, don't want to I mean, say absolutely that they're the worst. There's a couple yeah. in the Big Ten that are in that conversation. I mean, Rutgers is in that conversation. <laughs>
1: <about> Northwestern's <laughs> North in that conversation. Oh, Northwestern's uh, very bad. Good
3: call. Yeah. Good call Northwestern. So if we're
1: going to have a, a debate about who are the ten worst offenses in college football, we're going to spend half of our time talking about the Big Ten. Yes, So uh, there, There's no doubt about that because it's bad. I, I I think this is a fascinating game, Ryan, because uh, t- is Tanner Morgan still out? Is he still out for this game? He didn't
3: play last week, I know. I know he didn't play last week. So. If he doesn't play,
1: I don't think they have a shot. I mean, I could see yeah. Iowa scoring 10 points and winning this game. You know, and, <laughs> and here's the thing about Iowa. As bad as they are, as bad as they are, they're playing for them. Okay, this is <laughs> this is context. Okay, context. Yeah. For them, they're playing their best football of the season. And, mm-hmm. and, and even offensively, until the Wisconsin game, they had played – Two pretty good games in a row against Northwestern and Purdue. They had almost 400 yards against Northwestern, and, and Northwestern's defense isn't isn't great, but it's not the reason that they're one in ten nine. The, sure. Northwestern's defense has given them a chance to win some football games. And they lost to Miami of Ohio seventeen to fourteen. They lost to Penn State seventeen to seven. You know they they lost to Ohio State twenty one to seven. I mean, even in some of the games where they gave up a lot of points, they gave up points because their offense could do nothing. Mm -hmm. their defense has actually played relatively well. I mean, they gave up 31 points to Minnesota last week, right? They only gave up 366 yards of offense. You know, I mean, they've had a couple games, Maryland, Wisconsin, ripped them up pretty good. But, you know, they gave up 31 points to Southern Illinois and only gave up 357 yards of offense. They've been okay at times this year. Their offense is terrible. So uh, it's it's bad football. But, you know, last week against Wisconsin was pretty bad but they still found a way to win by two touchdowns over Wisconsin. So I just don't think Minnesota can score on them. And I think Iowa's offense will do enough to get the W. And, and that's what I think. Now, I, I don't really have an, a, a rooting interest in this one because I, I, I just think the division is so bad. But, uh, you know, I mean, none of these teams are going to present a very fun matchup. The reason I'm kind of pulling for Purdue is I feel like Purdue can at least score on, on whoever wins the East. To where it's not going to be 42 to 3. It'll be 42 <laughs> to 20. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and we won't see a rematch of, a rematch of last week's game, where or last year's game, where Iowa got, got there and just could do nothing against Michigan, 42 right. to 3. I think the same thing would happen this year. You know, it just, it'd be that kind of game again this year because they can't score. So, uh, anyway, Ryan, uh, who, you said you went with Iowa, correct? We're both going with mean, Iowa yeah. in this game as well. Yeah. Okay. Mm hmm. That's going to do it for our game predictions, Ryan. We do have some mailbag questions to get to, but before we do, just a quick reminder, hit that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and share this podcast.